Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Masterminds Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today, we are at Team Penske Worldwide Racing Headquarters in a conference room right off the front lobby where I am joined by an Xfinity Series driver, Austin Sindrick, who's here. Austin, thanks for being here. Appreciate Sweet. you doing this. No problem. Thanks for you coming just, out. You just said it's been a busy two days. Like, wait, Why has your world been turned upside down? Oh, it's just kind of been one of those weeks that's real busy and you got a lot of stuff. I had an event with Roush yesterday and all good things, but um, no, it's, and then we got Dash for Cash this week in Talladega, so we got all that going on. So a lot of good things happen. Um, a busy race car driver is a, a happy race car driver. <laughs> what has it been like running in, this is your first, is it a full year pretty much? Yes, sir. Uh, what has it been like making that adjustment versus other series that you raced in? Well, I think the big thing for me is, um, the fact that I'm running for two different teams. So I'm bouncing all over the place a lot, uh, trying to prioritize where I need to be, what I need to do, cars I need to sit in, people I need to talk with, meet with debriefs, whatever it may be. Um, it's put me probably on a bit of a different level uh, and just trying to prepare myself and, and be organized and um, all good things to do. Makes you feel like an adult, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which you are. I mean, uh, I guess obviously, technically yeah. I am. I don't feel like one, but I am. Old enough to vote, right? Old yeah. enough to vote. Okay, yeah. Well, welcome to the adult world then. And you had a lot of preparation. You grew up in what I would term to be a racing family. I don't know what else people have done your family aside from your your dad but when your dad has pretty much been the the guy who's running the ship here at team penske for going on 18 years i would think that would acclimate you fairly well to the racing world what's it like growing up son of tim Sendrick and being around penske pretty much your entire life you hit the nail on the head we're a racing family and it doesn't just go to my dad's side of the family because his father built engines for the indy 500 um but oh, he's Okay. And uh, so he, they ran an engine shop in Indy for a while. My dad grew up working in the engine shop and um, obviously found his love with racing and, and Indy cars and made his way up to where he is now. But um, on the flip side, my mom's side of the family, my grandpa used to race in Can-Am and um, Camel GT um, back in the 60s and 70s and uh, ended up owning a race team, winning Indy 500 with Bobby Ray Hall. And uh, he owned a track, he owned Mid-Ohio for a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much deeply involved in the racing side of things, but Ever since I was little, I've been, I've been around, uh, around the Penske stuff, and, and it's been pretty cool to be able to grow up in a, a scenario where you, you see how everything's done uh, and it's done right. I mean, everyone knows the, the reputation that Penske has, and to be able to grow up in an environment like that, especially with the career that I'm pursuing, kind of puts me with the right kind of perspective uh, for what I'm looking for. What's the, the first time you can remember being at a racetrack? How old were you? Where were you? Well, they always had a daycare at the IndyCar races for like all the all the kids that would come that were part of team members. So I always remember, I forget what it was called, but I always remember going to that and like, mess around with all the other like kids that were part of it and um i remember going to that i remember there was a tornado one year at kansas and like my mom was all freaked out because we were all outside 
Um, <laughs> anyway, it was uh, those were those were some cool memories. And then I remember the first year, my brother Tanner, he didn't go to the daycare. He went to watch the 500 in the stands for the first time, and uh, that was when Sam Hornish won. And I was ah, in the okay. daycare. And I was really jealous because he, my brother was up there with my dad's college roommates, and they were like dumping Sprite and stuff all over <laughs> each other. I was so jealous, like because I was like just stuck with all these little kids. I mean, growing up on the NECAR stuff, it, was, it wasn't until we moved down to North Carolina when uh, Penske merged the, the NASCAR and the NECAR programs together under one roof. It wasn't until then to, where I was exposed to a lot of the NASCAR stuff, and, and it wasn't really till then um, that I wanted to be a driver. And once I got yeah. exposed to this whole community of racing, it was like, oh, I want to do this. So that was about 11 years ago when um, you guys moved down here, when, when Penske moved its IndyCar operations to Mooresville, where we are right now, and combined it with the NASCAR program at then at that time, I think the sports car program, and now that's that's come back. So a, mm-hmm. a lot going on here. Sam Hornish winning the Indy 500, that would have been 2006, right? Yep. How old were you then? I was eight. Eight, okay. What kids do you remember playing with? Was it just other drivers, kids? Do you remember who some of those people were? Um, the only one I would like remember specifically, like Hope Hornish would always come around. Oh, okay. Um, so she, she was there with us, um, and they had a PS2 in there. And my brother and I would always hog the PS2. Cause we, were, we were like the lifers in like the IndyCar daycare, like playground, whatever you want to call it. So we were, we were kind of kings of the court. But uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was fun times. I, I don't remember too much because I have a pretty terrible memory, at least when it comes to like my childhood. But That usually helps in racing, I've yeah. heard. So you lived in Indianapolis till you were about nine or so? I lived in here? Redding, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh, that's right, because Penske was based in, in Redding. That's yes, right. sir. So okay. I was born in Ohio, but um, after my dad... I uh, got hired from Ray Hall to Penske. Uh, we moved from, from Ohio to, to Reading, Pennsylvania, and then from Reading to here, and I've lived in Mooresville most of my life now. Okay. So that must have been a culture shock going from Reading, Pennsylvania to the Charlotte area. Oh, yeah. I mean, with Reading in, in Philly, that area, it's kind of like all I knew, but like at the same time, like, like I said, I don't have like the greatest memory of any of it. Like I don't even remember like what my school was like or anything like that. I remember some of my friends, from, but I was still like only in first grade when I moved down, so it wasn't like I was overly developed <laughs> right you pretty much got molded as a north carolinian yeah uh, that, that's once you got here i i consider myself from north carolina like yeah. when they do the nascar like uh driver intros like I made sure they don't say from Columbus, Ohio, because I don't feel like I'm from Columbus, Ohio. It sounds like you developed an affinity then for stock cars. As much as your dad was invested on the IndyCar side, obviously he's, he touches the NASCAR side here, but but he's more, I would consider him more on the IndyCar side. He works as a strategist. Racing was as much about NASCAR as it was for IndyCar for you when you were growing up then? Yeah, and when I when I moved here, like I said, it was the first time I really got exposed to like NASCAR. So there was a stretch there like, that my brother and I would, would would fight each other all the time about which is better, like IndyCar or NASCAR. Because oh, really? my brother was like <laughs> way in IndyCar, and like I started liking the NASCAR stuff, and he was like anti NASCAR for a while because he like didn't want to accept it. Um, it was just fun <laughs> because we always played with our little Hot Wheels, and we'd buy we'd go on all the vendors at the racetracks and get the die casts, and we'd race them at home with each other. Anyway, that was that was kind of what like got it going for the NASCAR side of things. But but really, what what kind of started the NASCAR thought process was that, uh, like the summer shootout at Charlotte Motor Speedway, right. they're racing bandoliers and legends cars. And that's the pathway for a lot of NASCAR drivers. And that was like feasible. Like I was, that was a tangible thing for me. So that was a, that was like a goal of mine after I went there for the first time. And, but obviously my career path is, has taken me to a lot of different disciplines. I don't, I don't consider myself a NASCAR driver yet, although I am in the Xfinity series. Like I just consider myself a race car driver just because right. I've done so many different things and I, I want to still try and 
continue that throughout all of my career as best I can. Yeah, definitely want to want to touch on all the different series you've, you've raced in your versatile background, but a little bit more about your family background. So did your brother race as well, or is it just you? No, he yeah. never raced. Like yeah. he's, he's still way into it and way passionate about it, but like he never wanted to drive. And mm -hmm. my parents honestly thought they got off scot-free with me. <laughs> so I was going to ask my next question. Yeah. What did they think when you said, I know dad works on the team side and grandfather build engines, but I think I want to race for a living. What did, what did they say then? Well, they told me I was too tall. I said, you're going to be too tall. I was like, well, what about Michael Waltrip? What about Justin Wilson? They're like, got us. <laughs> like, that was the best they could come up with then and there. And uh, actually, for my for my 10th birthday, I got to drive a, a Bandolero. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, Ken Reagan, who is running 600 Racing, which is now U.S. Legends. They run Bandoleros and Legends and their dealers. Ken Reagan uh, took us out there for the first time and got to do laps and Funny enough, I mean, I knew enough about racing, like, to know what was going on. And Ken was there, and um, I was driving a guy named Corey Gordon and Mike Gordon, who ran who ran a team in Bandoleros, some of the, some of the best cars. And they let me drive Corey's Bandolero out. And we're sitting on the staging grid, and and Ken goes to me, he's like, "All right," he gets in the window, and I'm all amped up. I got the helmet on, <laughs> I got the fire suit on. I'm basically living my dream. And uh, and before I go on the track, the staging area is sitting by turn three and um just on just on the outside of the track and ken goes all right when you get to the track turn left and he was like joking i took him seriously <laughs> and i went from the staging grid and turned left onto the track whoops and i started doing back laps backwards on the track i did about five laps until he waved me off and i was like i'm like having the time of my life and he he's like you're going the wrong way i was like oh man and i was like really upset for a while because like I, I thought i'd like ruined it like uh but anyway, it was a... Uh, but they let you still race. They let me still, let me still drive. <laughs> and uh, did some beginner races and all that. And uh, obviously did a bunch of Bandolero racing and Legends Car racing. And um, had somewhat success in some of that stuff. But um, that was really my first splurge into racing. And racing against a lot of guys who'd done go-karts and stuff like that. It was it was kind of throwing me into the deep end after a little bit. Because I, I didn't have the same experience some of the other kids did. So I was kind of playing catch-up, which was... And the way I look at it, probably the best case scenario for me, just because you're, you're racing against guys that are already so much better than you. I've and so you're, bring, you're bringing yourself up to their skill level. Correct. Essentially. Huh. Correct. And I've, I felt like I've tried to put myself in that same situation as many times as I can, whether if it's jumping up to the Xfinity series or going to do the Bathurst 12-hour at 16 years old or mm -hmm. um, all these different situations. I've kind of been thrown into the deep end. It's kind of been on purpose to see if – and from my dad's end, it's been to see if I'm, I'm – like good enough to do it like right. he doesn't want to uh, see me invest that kind of effort and time into something that he doesn't believe I'd be successful in but at the same time it's it's all about whether or not I want to do it it trust me he'd be the first one to tell you it's not his idea <laughs> he'd, he'd much rather see me <laughs> holding a basketball <laughs> um but for for me it was all about throwing me in the deep end to see if I'd drown or swim and I, unfortunately I kept swimming to the for, top for them <laughs> you're just swimming along I kept so swimming along how tall are you I'm six three. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. all in my legs. Um, I got the smallest torso of anyone I know, but like I've got four and a half foot long legs. So as long as I shove those bad boys in, that's all good to go. Because <laughs> your dad's, I mean, he's not tall, tall, but he's relatively tall as well. And he played hoops, I think. Yeah, college, yeah. He, right? That's yeah. that's honestly how he got his, uh, he got a jump on his racing career was basketball. Like, if you're not from Indiana, like Indiana high school basketball is as big as like high school football is in Texas. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the scale of it, it, it is. I don't think they won the, the state championship, but they, they're one of the best 
teams and one of the best schools. And he was at a point in his in his basketball career where he could he could play for like a bad D one college school or like a good D two school, but he didn't like he wasn't going to pursue basketball as like a career. He got a scholarship, and at the time, Rolls Holman was like the best engineering college in the country, and he got a scholarship uh, from them to go play in basketball, which. He'll be the first one to tell you he was not close to being smart enough to play for or like to go to school for Rose Holman based off his grades, <laughs> and uh, so he got in playing basketball, and uh, that's kind of how it went. But uh, I played basketball when I was little. Like I played basketball and tried a little baseball, but uh, I could never shoot. I was great at rebounding and giving it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so after you figured out the right way to go on a racetrack, you figured this is probably the the, the best sport for you. So you mentioned you started out in Bandoleros. Uh, take us through where you went from there and how you got to expand. I know it's a, it's a pretty circuitous, long, like winding path here. Maybe you touch on all series. You, you mentioned V8 uh, supercars are part of it. Uh, but I know you also raced sports cars and all sorts of other series. Yeah, for me, after after I really got through Legends cars, um, we basically got in Legends cars as quick as I could just to, to try and continue to challenge myself. I got to the point in Bandoleros where I got I got to the point with experience level and the guys I was racing where I, I could go and contend for wins or trophies, whatever whatever we want to call it, um, on, a, on a given weekend. And then right at that time, I got out and got in a Legend car and had to start over again. And I kind of never got to do that, like the – I call it the trophy year. You never right. got the year where you got the wins and everything. You got to where you were just as good as the next guys, and that got out. I got into Legends cars, and then it started that process over again and got to the point in Legends cars you could start contending for wins. I got, I think I got five wins in my last year, and uh, which was a big step for me because I, I don't think – I won one race in a Bandolero out of like probably the 40 I did in a year. Like I, I wouldn't say I was – I was the best there was. I mean, there was, there were guys that were obviously investing a lot more into their time. And for us, for for us and me, it was just getting the experience and learning. But um, anyway, past that, um, you look at pathway of a lot of guys. You think late models the next logical step, and that's the progression for a lot of guys. And for me, I wanted to do something different. I felt like it was important for me to do something different. And what what would be the most challenging thing for for a fourteen year old to go do? And I didn't think that was going to be going out and driving a late model for a while. Hmm. Um, we found to dabble a little, little bit of road racing stuff. Um, so I went and did a skip barber school at Road Atlanta, and uh, that actually went really well. Uh, so I did the I did the winter series in skip barber, won a bunch of races, and that went really well. And uh, from there, it was like, all right, what do we do next year? What do we do in 2013? And I couldn't race a Formula Ford because SCCA's uh, age limit was 16. But I could race an F2000, which was the next step up with IndyCar at the age of 14. Right. <laughs> so I was the first 14-year-old to go do F2000, and it was it was a big jump. It was very difficult for me. I I struggled for for a little while to understand. You know, I didn't even know what oversteer and understeer was. It's like I'd, I'd always been talking about loose and tight, and like I've right. got this engineer. It's fully professional. Like it was way higher of a scale than Legends car racing. Sure. Just going with a trailer and unloading and working on the cars, and you got this whole crew, and uh, it's it's a completely different scale for me, and a completely different environment. And it took me a while to get uh, to get sorted out, but by the end of the year, I was able to get into the top ten and kind of work on it a bit. And then uh, the following year, I was I was able to you know get in in the top five and actually be be pretty competitive um and from there it's it's do you want to step up to pro mazda because that's the next logical step after that and uh, i did do a test in a pro mazda car i didn't fit very well at all i didn't fit an f2000 car very well at all either but the problem with the pro mazda car was 
um, the steering column was fixed into the bulkhead, so I couldn't move it up or down. So actually when I tested the car, um, I had to drive with my hands on top of the wheel. Like uh, if you've seen like <laughs> an, an indie style wheel like, where it has the nubs <laughs> on the top, I had to drive with it on the top of the wheel. Oh the, my gosh. The test actually went surprisingly well like for my first time in the car. They, they have a big test at the end of every year called the Chris Griffith test. I don't even know if they still do it, but it was kind of like the guys from the other series kind of step up into the other cars to see how they do and before you try and find a ride for the next year. And um, that, I did it with Unicos um, and that test went incredibly well. But it wasn't like a safe thing for me to do because I couldn't fit in the car. Um, and at the end of that same year, um, I did uh, a Continental Tire race with, with a team called Racers Edge. They were kind of like a mid-pack team running, running four Mustangs. And uh, I decided, hey, why not? Let's let's go let's go try this um, and see what it is. I never done endurance race, never shared a car, and uh, ended up out qualifying both the factory cars and my first time in in, in the series and. Uh, uh, okay, maybe this is an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe this is an option. Uh, that's that same that same year I went and tested with with uh, that factory team was was Multimatic, Multimatic Motorsports. And if you're not aware of them, they're they're a huge engineering company right. in in Canada. They do a lot on the OEM side, but as well as on the racing side, they run they basically run the four GT program. They build the they build the four GT street car. They run the Mazda factory program in, in IMSA with the DPI cars. So. Um, they're heavily involved in a lot of different ends of motorsports. So for me to get to go test with them at the ripe age of whatever it was, 15 or 16, uh, was, was pretty cool for me. And I was really nervous the day I went up there and tested too. And the test went really well. And needless to say, I ended up driving for them the next year in their factory program. And we got to actually develop, I got to develop, uh, along with my co-drivers, uh, a race car, which was pretty cool at 16 yeah. to develop a race right. car. Right. Um, and we ended up debuting that car later in the year, got the first win in the car, and that was a big step for me in my career. And um, we were all set to do that program again the next year. Can't forget about Rallycross. I, I did this the other day in, in a podcast. <laughs> I forgot about Rallycross. That same There's a year, lot to keep track of. That yeah. same year, I did, uh, I did a full season of Rallycross uh, next to my full season in sports cars with the Mustangs. And that went really well. Won five races or so and got some poles. And me and my teammate contended for a win. I ended up finishing second in the championship. Came down to the last race, and it was a, it was a really cool experience uh, um, with, with the rallycross stuff. And obviously that kind of tested my car control and my adaptability between a few vehicles because there were times where I had to go from one racetrack to the next like within the same day to try and make that schedule happen. Um, and that was a that was a really neat experience for me. I remember Lime Rock. I was driving at Lime Rock, and I did the opening stint in the Mustang. I think I, I pitted and I pitted from second, and did the driver change. Thanked all the guys. Drove to the airport. Got on the airplane. Flew to Detroit. Landed at Detroit. Unloaded. And because they had track maintenance issues, they didn't get to qualify. I was the points leader, so I had to start on pole in my heat race. I had no sighting laps. So I started on pole with no sighting laps with a standing start. And ended up winning the heat race. <laughs> Good which luck. Was, ended up winning the heat race, which was pretty cool. Um, and then ended up uh, the Mustang ended up finishing on the podium. We had a one-two finish with the team, and I got two podiums uh, that same weekend in the rallycross car. So it was like a triple podium weekend in two different cars. Um, wow! In that, two different places. In two different places. <laughs> so that was, that was a cool memory. But then after that, um, we were pretty much all set to run the Mustang program again. And um, for whatever reason, that got that got the plug pulled after Chevy and Nissan pulled out uh, with their factory-backed programs. Um, so that kind of left me trying to figure out what to do. So then that's my 
that was really my first time I was pounding the pavement trying to figure out what to do the next year. And I was at Daytona for the roar test and trying to figure out what sports car opportunities there were. And um, This it, was a couple of years ago when you were like 17? Yeah, so? this yeah. this would have been 2016. Okay. And yeah. um, I got close to driving somebody's Lamborghini um, during for the 24 hour, I, I was going to get to test one of the, one of the change cars, um, as a, as a fifth driver, like the team manager was real good to me and was, um, said, Hey, we'll let you drive the car on Sunday. Cause we'll already cycle through all our drivers and we'll just put you out there on old tires and see how you do the car ended up blowing an engine on Saturday. I was like devastated. Cause like, that was the only thing I had at that moment. And from there I worked on a few other things and uh, with a few help from like some sponsorship and some the right kind of backing, I actually got an opportunity to go run the Bathurst 12 hour for for second year in a row. Because um, the first year I did it, I was I was the youngest guy. God, I forget about half the stuff I've done. <laughs> <laughs> and just so everybody knows, the Bathurst is this famous race in Australia. It's pretty much like the Daytona of supercar racing mm-hmm. down there, right? And the fact that Penske now has involvement down there and has a team did that help you get connected with some people or? Well, so there's the Bathurst 1000, which is like the Super Bowl of races for Australia, and then there's the Bathurst 12 hour. It's, ah, on, it's gotcha. on the same okay. track, but it's a 12 hour endurance race. Um, so it's I, it's probably the second biggest race gotcha. in Australia, and okay. it's it's gotten really big from there. I got an opportunity to be part of a, a McLaren factory effort in Pearly World Challenge uh, with Capex Racing and, and Flying Lizard guys running that team, and that was kind of my first time I was exposed to GT3 racing and um, just the prestige that all that follows. Um, and for me, I, I had to, I had to really figure out, um, you know, what my priorities were, um, as I'm forgetting that I did the Martinsville truck race for Brad Kozlowski <laughs> the year before. I just, just talking about it, I have done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the year before I did, I did my first stock car races. I, I, I had the opportunity with AutoZone sponsoring a, one of the Cunningham cars in, in ARCA to go do the Iowa race and the Kentucky race and ended up leading laps and honestly should have won both races. One, I cut a tire. The other one, I blew it on a restart. And um, and from there, um, Austin Terrio had his back injury at Texas right. or at uh, Vegas. Right. And um, they needed a driver at Martinsville, and that went well. And it run the top five uh, by the end of Martinsville. And that kind of precipitated into some more things later in 2016 um, as I was running that McLaren. And um, with the McLaren program, I had a one of the teammates I had was a junior driver for McLaren, and the other teammate I had was a factory driver. And it got to by the end of the year, I was either out running or running just as well as a factory driver, which was which was a lot of fun because I, I developed a really good relationship. Alvaro Parent, I developed a really good relationship with Alvaro, and uh, I was he called me I, he called me his job security, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we pushed each other quite a bit by the end of the year, and I uh, got some success and some podiums and all that comes with it. Um, but I, I had a really great time running that year um, just with that team because obviously Flying Lizard has a – it's Capex Racing, but Flying Lizard runs the team. And, um, and that's one of the big sports car powerhouses. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. for sure. Yeah. And to have that experience to run with those guys and, and have the respect to them and to be able to perform as well as we did in, in that scenario was really cool. And then um, it kind of came to a crossroads for me. Uh, at the beginning of 2017 because I actually had some really good sports car opportunities lined up with factory backing and really actually professional opportunities to go run in sports cars full-time endurance racing um, or I could go run an NASCAR truck season and for someone at my age at, at 18 to have those two opportunities in front of you it's like what do you do yeah and 
Because you could be charting the course of like the next five or ten years here. Correct. And, and once you pick one, you're probably not going to get the chance to, to just pick up where you left off. And exactly. Yeah. And for me, that's that's a tough spot because I want to do everything. I want to be I want to be in a sports car, an open wheel car, in a right in a NASCAR, in a rally car every weekend if I could. Yeah. Um, but so you can't. <laughs> so for me, you have to you have to prioritize. You have to understand. And obviously, I've, I'm surrounded by some pretty smart people when it comes to the motorsport world. Um, and I asked a lot of advice after after that year and trying to understand whether if I should go run full-time in, in trucks or in something that I have no business in being in, to be quite frank, um, just from my experience level. I mean, I had a handful of ARCA races that all went well. And I had a few truck races and did some K&N races and went in the road course races in K&N, but not having any prior experience full time in a stock car, it was a big step. Um, yeah. But at the same token, you see this youth movement in NASCAR, and you see that guys that are, are surpassing the age of 18 not being really considered for developmental programs and, and being part of, you know, like like what TRD's done and what, and what Ford's doing now. You don't see many guys that are a lot older than that being reconsidered for some of these programs. Right. So... I felt like if I had a shot to make it in NASCAR or pursue a NASCAR career, that was the time. I felt like being a 25-year-old in sports cars is still considered young. And if I'm able to race at the level that I raced at in 2016 with, with the McLaren program, if I was already able to do that at that age, I feel like I would at least have something to maybe fall back on. Um, whereas the NASCAR stuff, that's a one-shot opportunity. Right. So I, I went with it, and uh, it took me a little while to figure it out. <laughs> uh, the first part of the year was, wasn't as well as it didn't go as well as expected for me. Uh, just personally, like I mean, there are some things that I, I couldn't control, but there's other things that I put myself in bad situations, similar to how the start of the Xfinity year has gone. I've snuffed a lot of that quicker than I did last year. Right. Um, but um, then we get ourselves in a, in a position where we're right on the outside of the, of the playoffs, and um, honestly, in the middle of the summer, uh, we were we were top five we were top five truck most races we went to. We just had such a big hole in the points, we just couldn't make it up, and that takes you to probably my best opportunity all year to win, which is when in Canada and sat on the pole, got the track record, and all all great things to do. But you still have to win the race and. Um, and honestly came down to needing to win the race to go contend for a championship and just prioritizing if I think I can really contend for this and obviously uh, worth worth going to great lengths to win that race. Um, and I did go to great lengths yes, to win you that did. race. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, you did. And I feel like it's that's really paid off for me. Yeah, well, um, I mean, clearly it did last year because that gets you in the playoffs and you end up finishing third in the championship as a rookie because you're able to advance to the championship round through through the different rounds. But of course, there was a lot of focus on on how you got there because you and Kaz Grala were, were racing for the lead at Canadian Tire Park, uh, Motorsports Park, and you bumped him and he spun and you won and you caught some grief for that. What was that like, an 18-year-old kid having, having to weather all that? So I just I just actually turned 19. Oh, you did. Okay. My birthday was that same weekend. <laughs> well, um, then you were mature enough probably to handle it. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, for me, I anyone who'd watched any of those races from the truck stuff, there was one year that the leader didn't get knocked out of the way on the last lap, and that was because Alex Tagliani had a gearbox failure on the back stretch on the last lap, and Eric Jones went uncontended to win the race. And other than that, every year prior has had some sort of incident in the last complex of corners. And so I went into that knowing. Actually, funny enough, I talked 
Justin Haley and I qualified one too. It was actually one of the most exciting qualifying sessions I'd done like in my career. Anyway, so it got down to the point where um, we had a fuel, we had a, we had a penalty. We, we led the whole first stage, but we had a penalty because uh, our fuel can got stuck in the back of the truck and we drug it all down pit lane. And so I had to start at the, at the tail end of the field um, with only like a bunch of laps remaining. And most sports not really the easiest track to pass on either. Um, so we went off strategy, got tires, and um, I think there was uh, like eight laps to go on, on a restart. And I went from 21st to 5th um, before turn 5, which I wish I had on my camera because it was like one of the most fun restarts <laughs> I've ever had. Sounds like a video game. Um, it was. And, um, <laughs> but obviously the next few guys were, were going to be a bit more competitive. Um, yeah. So I had to work my way up through them. And I got, I got around Noah Gregson for second, and um, I had two laps to, to catch Kaz, who had – been the next best truck all race like Kaz ran a really really good race mm -hmm. and um I had to run him down I, I didn't have much of an advantage on new tires because we kept getting so many cautions and heat cycles and um so I tried to run him down and got the draft and um basically we were we were right on his tailgate by the end of the, by by the last lap um and I thought about it all weekend if I was to boot someone out of the way where would it be and that's where my story was going Justin Haley and I were on the the ride around for the track I I looked at him and was like, if I'm leading, are you going to dump me out of the lead? He said, yep. I was like, good, because I'll do the same thing to you. <laughs> so we had, we had that understanding. <laughs> if only you had that talk with Kaz Grella. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it would I mean, been all right. <laughs> honestly, I think anyone would have done the same thing in a certain scenario, but I felt the best w place to do it on track, because everybody all all the last few years, there's uh, like everyone's seen the Cole Custer, John Nemechek mm -hmm. incident at the end right. of the race. and. That's such a tough complex of corners to pass in because you can defend and block so much and you get all the RG bars, you jump in curbs, going off track and going into the wall. But no one's considered passing for the lead in turn five on the last lap. And that's somewhere with a bunch of runoff and the start to the longest straightaway. So that's somewhere I could move him out of the way and just right. drive off. Right. And that's essentially what we did. I right. mean, was, did I plan on dumping him? No. Did it matter that I dumped him? Not really. I mean, all I needed to do, and it didn't matter if it was Kaz or, or anyone. It didn't matter if it was Brad Kozlowski in front of me. Like, I needed, to win. It. <laughs> I needed to win that race because yeah. if I didn't, I don't make the playoffs. And yeah. honestly, um, fast forward, if I don't make the playoffs, I don't think I'm running full-time at Xfinity because right. I don't get to showcase myself on that stage. I don't get to showcase myself in those pressure situations. So um, that's not really the way I grew up racing, but it's also the way – that it's what's unique about nascar sure sometimes I mean, auto racing and especially nascar where it's bumping and grinding it's yeah. full of hard choices and it sounds like austin from just hearing you talk when people would would suggest oh well he doesn't have the experience to be running full-time in the trucks yet you, i mean you said earlier yes you would concede that but yeah. you had to take the opportunities that were given you and had to like launch yourself into series maybe ahead of where your experience level maybe would have wanted to be for yourself and others but as you said you got to take advantage of the opportunities but I'm sure you've also heard these kinds of whispers, things like, oh, he's only running in this series because of his last name, oh, nepotism, oh, that thing. Does, oh, yeah. does that stuff bother you? Not really. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it does. If anyone has the opportunity to go pursue their dreams, whatever manner it is, yeah. why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. for me, I, I just have to do the best for the opportunity that I have. Um, at the same token, I also feel like um, – I have some of the best leadership um, with my dad because he knows he hires race car drivers. Yeah, he knows what a race team like Penske would want out of them because he's the one hiring them. So for me to have that as a resource is huge for me. And I don't think 
I would have gotten as far as I have with without going up around it. And by that, I mean, I, I know what's right and wrong, or at least I think I do. At the same token, I probably wouldn't have the same opportunities if I didn't prove what I can do behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's all it boils down to. I'm not going to race for Roger Penske and Jack Roush if I'm just some schmuck with a last name. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys in NASCAR with last names. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney. <laughs> there's a list. Richard Petty. Yeah. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. Right. I mean, these are all guys who've grown up with last names in racing, and it's because it's a it's a family sport. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just like any other guy. I'm I'm pretty well invested in the sport, um, and for me, that's just that's just noise. Um, yeah. And however, however I can pursue those opportunities and make the most of them, that's that's really all I need to concern myself with. I have a feeling I know you're going to answer this one as well, but I want to ask it because I want to give you a chance to answer it. You mentioned you come in the Xfinity Series this year and you've made some mistakes. I know it's probably like the Truck Series. You're, you're getting yourself acclimated in this first half. But I think it's fair to say like it's it's caused the same grumbling among some competitors. So I'll just ask, do you read Jeff Gluck's 12 questions at all? I've been informed. <laughs> I've been informed. Okay. Right. Am I bothered? No. Okay. Uh, just to put it out there for everybody, I mean, one of Gluck's questions this year, and it's intended to be humorous, is that, you know, who has the most punchable face? And Christopher Bell and Noah Gregson both said, the man sitting across me right well, now. Noah, Noah went back on it. I was, he did. I was, I wasn't he did. even first. I was second. <laughs> I went, I went to second place. So that, that stuff doesn't bother you? No, not really. I mean, it's it's unfortunate those guys are kind of put in that situation to give an answer to a question, and it's probably easy for me to say that because that was the answer. Yeah. Um, but look, I it's it's it amazes me, NASCAR especially how social of a sport it is between the other drivers mm-hmm. and and what what that means. Um, I definitely I definitely probably ruffled some feathers in, in the truck stuff, and some of that might be because of Canada. Some of that might be because I was a rookie contending for a championship where. At the beginning of the year, I was a rookie who wasn't doing much of anything. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just that's a personal thing for me. That's 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 my personal path, and uh, if it's if it's how other guys perceive it, that's unfortunate because um, something tells me if things keep going the way I think they're going, I have the confidence that they're going. They're going to be racing me for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You got a, we got a few minutes left here. So where do you envision yourself being here? end of 2018 obviously you said 2017 truck series season launched you into the expandy series this year what's your timeline or goals right now going forward you know it honestly wasn't until richmond that i i i've i've had a weekend where i feel like i've executed in every area i could and i have confidence in every movement i've done whether if it's my hmm. feedback if it's how i've done in the race um it's been my first weekend that i've like said okay this is this is something I can do. This is this has gone well. This has gone to plan. Obviously, Richmond, we qualified third. We got sent to the back for unapproved adjustments. And in, in essentially all green flag race, we drove up to fifth. And that's the Penske car, right? Yes, sir. Whereas sometimes you're running the Roush Fenway car, the yes, 60, and this is the, the Penske car that Joey and Brad and Yeah, Blaney it's the one a lot of guys have won in already yeah. this year. Yeah. And so there's no doubt in my mind that it's it's some of the best stuff. So in that same scenario, you're there's some pressure. But at the same token, as a driver, you, you don't have to worry about anything else. All you have to worry, the ball's in your court, mm-hmm. essentially. And um, Bristol, Bristol went okay. Uh, I'm, we should have finished in top 10, best day. I think I qualified, or I finished in the top five. Um, we got wrecked at the end of the race, and it's just how racing is. But uh, Richmond going there for the first time, never seeing the place, and just having the confidence after that. Um, I feel like 
I still have a lot more to learn, a lot more to progress to feel like, hey, I am a championship contender, but I feel like by playoff time, I, I will be. I think I will be more prepared than I was last year in the truck series to be that championship contender instead of instead of having to claw through every single round of sure. the playoffs like I did last year. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll be a legitimate threat come playoff time. Because you'll be in the Penske car pretty much full-time toward the end of the year, right? I, I will be by the end yeah. of the year. Yeah. Um, I guess that brings probably your next question or – or whatever it may be, because you keep pointing it out. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff with the 60, I feel like right now, a lot of those guys, I feel like we have the potential to be a top 10 car every weekend, but it's a marathon. And some of the, the those guys, I feel bad for some of them because they're tied together like like they're about to do a three-legged race because they have to deal with a dirt guy. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever I am, I'm like a mix. I'm a mutt. <laughs> and, and Ty, who's a short track guy, yeah. and we're just now starting. Yeah. And and Mike Kelly, he's got a really he's got the toughest job in the in the in the garage area because he has to uh, internally develop his cars and get that program to where he wants it to be because he's probably the most competitive guy I've ever met. Yeah. Um. And he wants it to be he's winning the crew races. Chief on that he's the crew chief, Mike yep. Kelly. He wants it to be winning races every weekend. And obviously, the drivers want it to be winning races every weekend. But it's a process to to get that team going together, get cohesive together, and uh, getting our program where we want it to be. But I've I've no doubt in my mind that it'll be. A top 10, top five car by the end of the year. Is it hard on you switching between teams like that? Um, I'd say from a time perspective during the week, like I said, I just have to prioritize. I think it's probably harder on the crew chiefs and the teams more than it is for me. Um, obviously, the 22 bunch is used to transitioning in and out of drivers, and actually I've worked with about half that team anyway throughout my career. Or Brian has done some ARCA stuff with me. Actually, I've first first win Brian had as a crew chief was me in ARCA car at oh, Kentucky. No huh. um, so um, I actually have that working relationship already with them. But with, with Matt and the guys on the 12, that's a whole brand new group of guys. And then all the guys on the 60, that's a brand new group of guys. So um, I'm kind of part of two developmental teams and one professional team that's the way i look at it my my, my obligations and in, in the roush car that's a ford development program my obligations in the 12 that's a penske development program the 22 that's a job i'm expected to be able to go win the owner's championship for that team and that car at the end of the year and i take that very seriously because that's something that's happened quite a few years <laughs> <laughs> i can tell you take it seriously well uh hey i really enjoyed sitting down and, and talking with you austin thanks for making time and uh Good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And a reminder that the NASCAR on NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much wherever you download podcasts, you can find this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and can leave a rating or review, please do so. That really helps us out. And if you have any feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR on NBC podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. 
charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.